Hey, Granger, my name is Andrew. I'm from Ontario, Canada. I'm a senior in high school. I have a ton of questions I'd like to ask, but my number one is, what is the number one life advice you'd give to someone, someone who has not found themselves yet or is in the process of doing so? Yee yee. Andrew is asking the yeah. question. Bernie Calcote. Here we go. On the podcast. Here we go. You have become a fan favorite, no doubt. I cannot believe that. Thank you, guys. Uh, I really just don't understand why. It may, but, I'll tell you uh, why. I can tell you, you why. Besides awesome. the fact that you're just an awesome dude, I think people latch on to – when you're a guest on this show, I think people latch on to it because they could tell that me and you have a long history of friendship and trust. And mm-hmm. after we roll the, the audio and the camera here in this room – we ended up we ended up forgetting that it's even on, and we're just talking. Right. Yeah. I say this all the time, like we're just sitting around a campfire, cracked a few beers, and there's a third person in a third chair, mm-hmm. which is this email. Right. I read the question, and me and you talk through it like we're three friends. Right. It's hard. That's cool. That sounds awesome, but it's hard to do unless you actually have a twenty year friendship like me and you do. Right. I think that's why they love you. Yeah. Um, so if anyone out there has a question, you email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. I collect these daily. I kind of put them into different categories depending on your question, but it could literally about, be about anything. Me and Bernie have answered just about every kind of question you could ask, whether it's lighthearted or career-based or anything. Th- anything. Throw, throw us something difficult, guys, because these have been pretty easy so far. I'm just kidding. All no, right. they haven't. Okay, <laughs> the challenge accepted. <laughs> That was a joke. They have not been easy. They're never easy. And um, as I always say, you know, whenever I get to come on here with Grizz, like we're um, just giving our perspective and our experience on some of the things that we're hearing. Um, But we always are going to push you to um, surround yourself with a community that you can process these things with. Yep. Um, and always go back to God's word because it'll never it'll never fail you. It'll never lead you uh, astray. So uh, those two things: God's word, community, and then you know, hopefully, something we can say yeah. will kind of uh, encourage you or inspire you to push into those things a little more. So it's really a heavy responsibility, but also so fulfilling. For us, knowing that right now, at the beginning of a new podcast, it's Monday morning, somebody's listening right now somewhere that either hasn't heard this or maybe they've heard it a few times and they have a question. And right now, you know, they they listen to something through here and they pull out their phone and they start a new email. Mm-hmm. Granger, Granger Smith podcast at gmail.com. Hey, Granger, I have a question. And there it is. And that's a, a massive uh, responsibility that... I don't look at it as a burden. I look at it as a huge privilege Absolutely. to be able to share in your question that you've been stewing over for maybe years and to know that right now, today, in this room, as we hit record on this podcast, a new one is being born. That's right. That's cool, yeah. right? No, that's so, so cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and that one day we will have a live podcast boom. with... Boom. Live audience, boom, and get to have them sit in the chair with us, boom, 
and you know chop these things up that would be really fun yeah it, it would be so much easier too because we could ask second and third questions that's right yeah 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 well let's start with an easy one here okay this let's is this says hey granger i'm kevin from far northern california aka state of jefferson it's funny that he has to say far northern because he's trying to separate him so i get i get what you're doing there <laughs> we know we know who you are Love California, man. I, I, I love you guys, especially the the, uh, the group of California that is the silent majority. I feel you. I hear you. I love you guys. He says, what is the ring you wear on your right hand during your podcast? Thank you, Yee Yee. a ring? Wearing it right now. Yeah, this is an Aggie ring. This is it, Texas A&M where I went to school. For some reason, it's a over a 100-year-old tradition we just like our class rings at Texas A&M. It kind of becomes a statement uh, after you get out of school and you enter the real world. You could spot it far off. If you're if you're an Aggie, you could spot. Even if you're not an Aggie, you could go, "Oh, what class are you?" So it's kind of like a cult, right? It I is mean, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> little Don't bit. you have to earn the ring? Like not just graduate but you have to like dunk the ring yeah, or is yeah. that, can we talk about that you have to dunk it so okay. <laughs> you you earn your ring at the texas a&m through i believe it's 90 hours of class credit and then you have to you don't have to but most everyone does what they call a ring dunk where you take your ring and you you go most likely to a place called the dixie chicken which is a bar and college station and you get a pitcher of beer hopefully light beer and you drop your ring in the bottom of the pitcher, and you have to chug the pitcher until you get to the ring at the bottom, and everyone times you. Whoa. Yeah. I don't remember my time. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Is the point to just get to the bottom, and then you got your ring, and you earned it? Kind of. Okay. Or is they, earning they, it did, is the right word, but it's like... <laughs> did they Do they put like the best times up on the wall at the Dixie Yeah, Chicken? they do that kind of stuff, yeah. Okay. And, okay. and most of the time, people throw up. <laughs> Okay. Most did, of, especially did the girls. I did I did not. Okay. Um, I wasn't trying to break a world record though either. Did you write your name and your time on the wall? I didn't. I didn't do that. You didn't? Okay. But a lot of people do. A lot of people take it more serious than me, but yeah. um it, it is a funny A and M has strange. some awesome traditions, much like that. But you guys <laughs> That's a weird one. You but. guys <laughs> you guys definitely uh Y'all get some traditions going, and you don't let them go. You, like, hold fast to them, for Do you sure. have a piece of jewelry that you wear consistently over the years? Have uh, you? Just my wedding ring. Your That's wedding ring. It. You wear a still a metal wedding ring, too. I do, yeah. Um, Most people have gone I'm, to the rubber ones like I have. Yeah, I'm shocked that I haven't lost this one um, yeah. as much kind of adventuring as we've done. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big, like... Uh, I'm I'm pretty active, and I know a lot of active folks do that, but I don't I haven't found myself doing I don't like throw around a lot of big weights, so <laughs> I know a lot of guys that do that and get the rubber wings right. rubber wings because it starts to hurt. But um, yeah, I I still have this one uh, that my wife gave me 16 years ago. What is that made out of? Um, I think it's just sterling silver and says the one I adore on the inside. Hmm. Still got the original. That's so cool. So I, my story is, I, my original wedding ring, we got, um, I cannot remember the metal, but it was cheaper than silver. Mm-hmm. It wasn't platinum, but it was another one of those kinds of 
mm-hmm. high-end metals that's cheaper than gold and silver. And I remember thinking it was so cool. And one day I was washing my hands and I took my hands out of the sink and it slipped off my finger and it hit the floor. It hit the tile and it disintegrated. <laughs> it just blew into a thousand pieces. And apparently that metal is like so hard and so indestructible except on tile. Whatever that means, somebody listening knows what I mean. Yeah. And I don't I can't explain why, but something about when it makes contact with a tile floor, it will destroy mm. it. Wow. So then I got a James Avery uh silver ring after yeah. that and lost it. Okay. Cuz I'm an idiot. Yeah. And, well, it happens. And man. then I luckily and luckily Amber has been so cool about the three rings that I've had and she doesn't worry about it. So now I wear this, uh, this rubber one, which I do not care. In fact, I had one a couple of weeks ago that got a little tear in it and I just put another one mm-hmm. on. So it doesn't mean anything to me, but it still symbolizes yeah. that I'm married to Amber. Have you guys considered doing the ring tattoos? We haven't considered it, but I wouldn't not. Consider yeah. So it. Leslie and I just celebrated our 16 year mm-hmm. anniversary and I was like, um, we had some plans that day um, that didn't include it raining, and it rained all day, so we kind of had some free time. I was like, babe, let's just go get tattoos. <laughs> if you know her, like she is not into like just going to get tattoos on a whim. Right. Um, but she was like, yeah, we could get you know the ring tattoos. And I was like, for real? She was like, I don't know. You know, like kind of backed up on it, but I don't know. I know that's a Still thing a people do, right? Huh? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think it'd be cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people do it. And then, the, then they don't even wear a ring because it's just it's tattooed on them. Yeah. Some people are weird. They feel claustrophobic with rings. Yeah. So I, I, I get it. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm just – I actually – when my dad passed away, I kept his wedding ring, and it fits me. So if I'm doing like a – if I'm dressing up – You wear that one. It's gold, and I put that on. Nice. So I don't have to wear a rubber one with if, – if the rare occasion is that I actually have to dress up. Yeah, that's cool. So um, – Here's here's another one. This is Let me see. How about this one? I'm I'm still taking I'm kind of ramping this up. Okay. It says, "Hey Granger, my name is Grace. I'm 14. Uh, a couple weeks ago I had a birthday and you and Amber did a cameo video, so thank you so much for that. Awesome, Grace. That's cool. I love cameo. It says, "We watch the Smiths all the time in my house. My sister Emmy and my mom Crystal and I love your music." Thank you, guys. He said your mu- she said, your music has been one of the many things that's impacted my life. I was inspired to start learning to play the guitar and try to pursue a music career. What are some, what's some advice you could give to someone very, very early on in their music journey? And that's a great question. Me and you have had this kind of question before. Mm-hmm. And 14 is actually the age that I started playing guitar. So, Grace, mm-hmm. you're right on cue with me. So I would start with this. I would start getting better and better at that guitar, which only takes practice. Mm-hmm. Um, don't only read chord charts and music uh, tabs. Don't just do that. At some point early on in your learning, break away from the tabs and just start, what we'd say, just jamming. Mm-hmm. Just start using three or four chords that you know from other songs and mix them up. And put them in different orders and different rhythms and strum around on it and pick around on it. And when you start doing that, you're then not emulating, you're creating. And I think you learn faster through the creative part. 
mm-hmm. of guitar. And then you don't really say that you're a singer, but then you could start singing along with songs on the radio while you're playing. You're going to grow so fast in, in your knowledge of music when you start this consistently every day. And then the third step I would say is start recording yourself. You don't have to get anything expensive. You could use your phone or any kind of digital recording, which almost every cell phone has an app for that. And you just hit record, play a song, sing it, and then listen to it over and over. Find the spots that you like what you do. Find the spots that you don't like what you do. And you'll grow quickly with that. What do you say, Burns? Yeah. Um, no, I think that's good. You got to hone your craft. You got to like push into it. Practice. It's going to be hard, but push into it. Get really good. Um, I think also I started, I remember I started playing on, uh, I started playing on a classical guitar, but then I went um, to a uh, an acoustic guitar that was called an Arbor. It was by a company called Arbor, which I mm. think is like maybe one of the cheapest guitars you can get. Um, at least the one that I had was. Um, man, I remember in Nashville picking up your black Takamini you remember that guitar? Do you still I have do. It? I actually sold it at one time when I needed money. Okay. <laughs> I remember picking that guitar up in Nashville and playing it and being like, man, this I'm so much better on this guitar than I am on mine. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think there's a certain point where you don't want to go out and just blow a bunch of money on a guitar that's way above what you need, but make sure you got the right instrument that fits you because I was playing this guitar and like the guitar just wasn't what I needed. I, I picked up a guitar that was just a, a step better and realized like, wow, this actually sounds better, which made me want to play more. Uh, so I sold that other guitar and got a newer one. So uh, I, I would just suggest that too. That's a good have idea. The right tool. Yeah. When the time's right, it's kind of like vloggers. When you're getting into vlogging or making videos at the right time, you got to get a better camera. But at, at the beginning, it's good to have the cheap one. Same with guitars. So yep. you'll know when the right time is. Yep. There's a question with the title called A Question for You and Bernie. Okay. Good, good opportunity here. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Lily. I'm from a small town just north of Tampa, Florida. I've written to the podcast before, but this question is different. I have a friend that always starts an argument no matter what I say. She claims that I always put the blame on her, and, I al- and it always gets heated about the little things, which is 100% wrong. I never put the blame on her for anything. I have called her out on things and when she's made me mad or frustrated, but calling someone out for something that hurts you and putting the blame on someone for that are completely different things. I told her about that. I also don't get mad about the little things. Every time I tell myself that I'm not going to be involved as I was, I end up right back where I started. I feel like I should step back and just not engage. What do you do if you're in my situation? Well, that's a tough, that's the tough one that I asked for, for sure. Um, cause yeah. yeah, relationships are so complicated. Um, and again, without having you in the third chair and be able to ask you some follow-up questions, uh, how old is she? Is it it, it doesn't say Lily, I, I, I guarantee you everyone listening is going through this at some level and yep. It's so much easier for me, Lily, to read your question and help you through it than it is for me when I'm in it, giving myself advice. That probably works for anything in life. It's easier for me to sit here and I'll straight up tell you, 
I see problem. I see some big problems in your email. Don't get mad at me. And anyone that emails, I'm just going to tell you as if we're sitting around a campfire, I'm going to tell you straight up. And there's some, there's some big problems. I know you see them too. It says, she claims, you're basically saying we have an argument and typically she starts it and she puts the blame on you. And then you turn around in this email and say, which is a hundred percent wrong. A hundred percent. She's a hundred percent wrong. That's what, that's what you're saying. And that's just impossible. There's always a little truth to everything. So Mm -hmm. in order for this to get better, that has to change right off the bat. You say, I never put the blame on her for anything. And yet you're blaming her in this email to me and Bernie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And using words like never and always. Yes. Um, what are those called? Explorative, uh, expletives? What yeah. What are they called? Um, in Star Wars, they say a, a, what do they say? A Jedi never speaks in expletives. Right. Right. Because <laughs> there's always a chance of something else. That's right. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Star Wars reference. Um, so... From reading, and you, I'm so glad you asked this, and I'm, I'm thankful that you're trusting us with something that's really bothering you. And it is clear that you're going to have to give some on this because you're holding your ground. You got your heels in the dirt. You're not giving any ground back to her, and that is clearly not working. You're saying, I feel like I should just step back and not engage, which I don't really think that that's necessary. You guys are... You guys are good friends, um, so you do want to engage. But I think I think you gotta you gotta step back, and while you're engaging, step back during the engagement and just say, "What? What if you ever would say?" And there's nothing specific in here, but she she claims that I always put the blame on her. What if you just step back and say, "I'm so sorry for putting the blame on you." What if you said that? Mm-hmm. Even if you don't necessarily believe it, what if that's what came out of your mouth instead of, I don't ever put the blame on, you know, you're wrong. You're a hundred percent wrong. I don't put the blame on you for anything. You call me out mm-hmm. on these things. and but What if you just said, I'm so sorry. I want to work on this with you because you're, you mean so much to me as a friend. But I truly want to work on getting better at blaming you for things. Now, what what happened? What's happening here in this conversation is you are hurting your pride because your pride says I'm right. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you for anything, and so to step back and say I'm so sorry. I want to work on putting blame on you. You're crushing your own pride inside, but that's okay. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what saves relationships is putting mm-hmm. your own pride aside. That happens with yep. anything. That's what separates us from humans from dogs. Yep. I look at my dogs. I have three dogs. They're all three great, loving creatures. But when I feed them, Remy, the male, will steal the food of the females every time. He'll steal their food when they're not looking, or he'll push them out of the way and he'll eat the food. And sometimes I'm, I look at him and I'm like, Amber, look, this is what separates us as humans. It's like he's the sweetest dog, but he has nothing in his brain that says share. Mm-hmm. That's their food. That's mm-hmm. not yours. Mm-hmm. 
His nut, but we as humans, we do see that. Mm -hmm. And we sometimes have to crush our pride a little bit. Yeah. I, I, got, I know something else I want to go with, but I want to let you speak. Yeah. Lily, to tell you the truth, I'm a bit kind of mentally um, uh, lost in some of my own relationship situations very similar to this. And I'm guessing that there's people out there that have not just relatively similar, but very, very specifically similar situations to what you're dealing with now. And man, relationships are just so, so tough to navigate, especially when you get deep, when you intend to love someone in a deep way um, and and we also have to fight our own flesh that's broken and has been hurt and has a tendency not to trust. And all the things in 1 Corinthians 13 that it talks about what love is, I challenge you to go back. I did this. So what, what I'm going through personally took me back through 1 Corinthians 13 and just read the list of everything that love is. It's kind, it's patient, um, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. Um, it, it's not irritable or resentful. It does not insist in its own way. I mean, there's just so many of You get the love is patient, love is kind. You've heard that. But when you get into the middle part of that passage, like there's no way that you don't go back to your friend and say, I'm so, I have not loved you the way that I should have. The way that I'm called to love you, I have not done that. That's where your email is showing and where I too am guilty of showing arrogance. But it says love's not arrogant. like, <laughs> And so like we have to humble ourselves and just go, there's no but. Well, I'm sorry, but you start this or you, it's like, no, hey, that's not your responsibility. What you're responsible for, what I'm responsible for, and the only thing I can control is the way that I place myself in a servant role of love towards the people that God has put in my path. And whether that's a shallow or deep relationship, man, it is the hardest thing to navigate. Because like Chris said, we are fighting these, you know, constantly fighting these things within us. Um, but I think that that is what I'm struggling with and what I'm going through and trying to navigate, okay, at what point, and maybe Grizz, this is a follow-up question for you, you know, on behalf of Lily is like, at what point, so I've now gone through this. I have gone to this person humbly. They have said something I've done against them. I've, I've like asked for forgiveness. I've said, man, I'm sorry. I'm going to try, I'm going to try to serve you and love you. I'm sorry. I haven't loved you the way I'm called to. And, I do love you. I want you to trust me. Um, and yet again, they they come back that I have, you know, like just they're carrying these things and they come back with these accusations. And at what point is it like, this isn't really about me. This is about you. How do I love and serve that person? Right. So let's try to do a experiment we haven't done on the podcast before. Let's try okay. to act this out for Lily. <laughs> Right. Okay. You you gonna you're gonna tell me, Burns. 
You're going to okay. be the, the friend, and okay. I'm going to I'm going to be Lily. Okay, I'm going to be what I think Lily should try as an experiment. Okay. You're going to tell me, just say, man, are you losing weight? That shirt looks. <laughs> you, you look really. You look like you're getting smaller. Okay. Which would actually be because I try to work out and I try to eat right. Okay. So that would actually be something that would offend me. Okay. So say that. Hey. Um... <laughs> like we just saw okay. each other sorry, for the I'm first sorry. time. Okay. Here we go. Man, Grizz, are you losing weight, man? Your your shirt's a little thin and like. No, I'm the same weight. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what if I said this? You know, to be honest with you, man, and this is not your fault. This is totally not your fault. You're making an observation. But I've been struggling lately with, with you know, working out and trying to eat right. And people have been saying that I look like I'm losing weight, and it actually bothers me. Once again, I'm not blaming you because you're just making an observation, and you're, you're just that kind of person that says what they think. I, and I love that about you. Well, Granger, I wasn't trying to be rude. Like, I feel like you're starting something here. And I, I really was just trying to no. say that you look. No, absolutely not. That, that's actually what I love about you. And the, the reason we're really good friends, I love the fact that you could just call it like you see it. And that's why you're, that's why you have so many friends. That's why you do good in life. And this, that's totally on me. I, I just, I'm feeling a little insecure about looking small. So when you said that, it kind of hurt me, but I know yeah. that you didn't mean to. You see, kind of yeah. like I'm putting it back yeah. on me in the situation yeah. for Lily, and I'm not. I'm not saying, well, that's rude. Right. That really hurts my right. feelings, Bernie. Yeah. Because then, of course, you're going to get defensive. Yeah. No, and I you always that, blame me for stuff, dude. Yeah, I think that was great. So he like not only did he like take the place to a humble and vulnerable state of pers- something hey this is this is how cuz most of the time the way the way that we respond is really about us it's not about the other person mm. so um the way that you responded was in a humble vulnerable way about something about you the way that i then responded about well you're just getting defensive and you're coming at me that actually says something about where my heart is right in responding that way to somebody that's being vulnerable and being humble. But I think, Lily, I think you follow that lead. And regardless of what this person, your friend, does... Because you can't control that. That's right. At all. Even if they do it for like 15 minutes, which can be trying for sure, keeping that kind of like, hey, this is it's not about you. It really isn't. I'm... I, I'm struggling with this. And you like affirmed me in that. It's hard to like continue to be defensive when someone is being vulnerable and humble and affirming and complimenting you. And complimenting you. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And scene. Good job. Try that. Try that, Lily. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Be right back. podcast is brought to you in part by Raycon. You know, as touring is starting to pick back up for me and I'm starting to look at airplane flights that I haven't looked at in a long time because I didn't fly almost the entire year of 2020. I think I had two flights as opposed to, I'll usually fly in a year about 120 flights. It's kind of the average, which makes me top of the you know, the, the chain on any airline because I just fly so much that, and I do that because that gets me home to my family on a Sunday morning. So if if we're out in Illinois, I could fly back and be with the family. 
I spend so much time on airplanes that having good earbuds is really, really important to me. And so whether it's for work or play, a lot of us are going to be on the move again this summer. So let me give you my advice. Take Raycons with you. Um, and I love Raycons. I could listen to podcasts or music. It just, they seal really good. They feel really good as earbuds. And it, they make all the difference. You get crisp, powerful beats at half the price of premium audio brands. Raycons look great. They feel better than any other that I've ever put in. And they come in a range of cool colors with customizable gel tips, including a comfortable in-ear fit. Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick, seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. They're really awesome. They have a really good battery life, too. They'll go for the length of any flight I'm on. Raycons will go through the flight, the layover, and the next flight, and I never have to charge it. So I don't know exactly how long that is, but they work. The batteries are awesome. So listen up. Raycons is offering 15% off all of their products for my listeners, and here's what you're going to get. Go to buyraycon.com slash granger. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a really good, it's such a really, really good deal, guys. So you'll want to grab a pair and then get a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Granger. Buyraycon.com slash Granger. Podcast is also brought to you guys by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is the Probably the first product I've ever talked about on a podcast, on this podcast, where I actually went back after I got my whatever I needed from them so that I could try it out and make sure it's good and went through the entire supply. And then I actually went on my own money and bought a subscription to them out of my own money. And I used my discount code. I went to athleticgreens.com and bought my... I'm Seriously, that's a huge testament. I spent my own money on this product. Let me tell you what I do. It comes in these... It comes in like a little cylinder and you get these scoops or you can get individual packets, whatever you like. And it's a powder and you could put it in water or I do a breakfast shake, which I mix other stuff like protein in with it. And I do it every morning and it tastes really good and it gives you everything you need for your nutrients for the day. So... With so many other stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients that we need to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, simply not eating enough of the right foods. That's a huge problem. So this is where Athletic Greens can help. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is a nutritional essential. It is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you could add to your health routine today and empower you to take ownership of your health. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. So they, they work on this, what they call this one holistic formula based on the latest research that produces 53 iterations over the last decade and counting. This is getting super scientific, but long story short, they've been working a long time to make this right for your body. And they're not just an up and coming starter company. They've been working on this for a long time. 
So it works lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto or paleo or vegan or love meat, whatever your lifestyle is, it fits within your dietary restrictions or no restrictions. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down and supporting your immune system during the, the spring months, and they're offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Visit my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every single day. Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. They are awesome. I want to tell you before we get back into the podcast with Bernie, I messed up a little bit. I messed up. So long story short, the audio, my computer, I record audio, this microphone goes out. So you're just going to hear the camera audio just for a short time. Okay. It's just one question and it's a good question. So I wanted to keep it on the podcast. So you're going to want to listen to this one question. The audio is going to sound a little bit different. And then after the question, it's going to go back to when I figured out I had a problem, we're going to go back to normal audio. So hang with me. I promise it's not that bad. You'll make it, but it's worth me keeping the question. It's about dads. Back to the podcast. So coming out of the break, we started talking and I, I sorry, I have to go back to Lily one okay. more time. Okay. I know we just took a commercial <laughs> break. We did a sponsor break, but if you guys remember what we were talking about, Lily, what was the line you just dropped? It was like gold. I said the depth of our like in talking to this friend and thinking about this friend that the depth of our relationship will be based on the amount, the level that you can forgive. Yeah, it will be based on forgiveness. Man, on the break, I nailed it. it was like <laughs> then you spontaneous, and it was like boom. And Granger was like, "Why did we stop camera?" I was like, this is kind of how it works. Um, but yeah, the depth of the relationship will be based on your ability to forgive. Boom. All right. Close case. All right. There you go, Lily. Next question, uh, subject titled Dad. Says, hey, Granger, my name is Darby. I'm from Little Rigby, Idaho. Shout out to Idaho. I love the podcast and watching the Smiths. I was wondering what happened to your dad. I lost my dad February 5th, 2017. It's by far the hardest thing I've ever dealt with. Beyond thankful for great for grief share and so grateful for having God in my life to get me through all of this. Thank you, Darby. Um, I found this question this morning and I brought it up because I knew you were going to be on the podcast, Burns. And so that mm-hmm. makes three of us, Darby, that have gone through this, me, me, Burns, and you. I lost my dad uh, March the 5th, 2014. It was a sudden heart attack. I haven't talked about it very often, if ever, on the Smiths or on a podcast or on anything, but uh, we lost him. Suddenly, my mom was visiting Lincoln. My my middle boy was just born. He was two months old, and my mom was visiting, staying a couple days and spending some time with little baby Lincoln. And she, my dad was home. He lived on a farm. He was 61 years old. In fact, we buried him on his 61st birthday. And he was doing some stuff in the yard. We don't really know because my mom drove home. Uh, on the third day and about 5.30 p.m. she pulled into the house. The lights were off. It's still dark in March at 5.30 p.m. She pulled in and um, all the lights were off in the house. She called his name a couple times 
and she just got a weird feeling and she went back to um, their bedroom and he was sitting in the chair in the dark and it was like he was just sleeping. He just kind of turned his head to his side and closed his eyes and mom said, all we know is uh, mom said he had the top of his hand under his um, belt in his waist. There was a rag on the floor that looked like it was wet earlier, like maybe he was wiping his forehead, maybe he was dizzy. And his phone was still plugged in in the kitchen, which means there was no time to say, I should call mm-hmm. a doctor. Um, there was a weed eater and, a, and a, um, a chainsaw that was taken apart out in the yard that he had apparently been working on and fixing. It was springtime, you know, there was, he was doing things like that. And then the computer, we logged into the... I'm going through all the things yep. we know. We logged into the computer, and he had been on... At 11 a.m. was the last time he logged out of the computer, and the trash was, it was a Wednesday, the trash was by the door, which he always took down at noon, all leading to the fact that this happened somewhere between 11 a.m. and noon. He must have been working on a weed eater, felt lightheaded, maybe dizzy, said, I should go sit down, but still nothing alarming him to grab a phone, to grab a phone sat down, and he had a massive heart attack, and it killed him right there. So that was, you know, my mom called me and um, said the words that I'll never, ever forget. She said, Granger. I said, yeah. She said, what are you doing? I said, just eating pizza with the kids. And she said, your dad had a heart attack and he died. And it was like, you know, I couldn't even process the heart attack part, much less the second part of the sentence. And I just couldn't. I was trying to process that so fast and um but yeah to speak to you Darby um I agree he said it's the hardest by far the hardest thing I've ever dealt with I get it man I get it that these things um typically losing a dad happens to everybody most of the time that's something that's relative to all humans we lose a dad um but it still doesn't make it doesn't make it easier. No matter. I, I've talked to people that have lost their dad due to cancer, and it's been years of regression and slow a slow death. And then I've talked to people like me who lost them instantly, and there doesn't seem to be a difference in the grief, mm-hmm. really at all. You, you, it's um, it's just hard, no matter what. And mm-hmm. Bernie, you got a story too. Um. Yeah, I think that I would fall into that category uh, opposite of of Granger. We, uh, I lost my dad last uh, December 2020, uh, a few days before Christmas. Um, so my dad had had a lot of medical issues um, for a long time. Um, in 2017, I think 2016... Um, he had a heart attack that should have killed him. Um, and every doctor that, because he lives in a small town in East Texas, uh, hospital is not, um, you know, set up to handle what he was experiencing. And somehow they had the wherewithal to get on the hospital or get on the phone to the hospital in Tyler. And the doctor happened to be there and get on the phone and walk them through, hey, this is exactly what you need to do. And got got him life lighted and ended up saving his life. Um, from there, it was the next 
uh, three years were uh, three, three and a half years were very much a lot of hospital visits, um, a lot of medical issues. There was times where, you know, my siblings, we would be like, okay, we need to go because this is it. And yeah. then, and then, I mean, this guy would just like keep <laughs> pulling through. Yeah. Like it was like the doctors would call us and be like, yeah, you know, his numbers, uh, you probably need to come. It's like, he would just find a way, just keep living. Yeah. It's like, my goodness. And I'll tell you what, his, um, and I'm not going to go into a long tangent here, but I, I know that there's people out there that have a lot of different kinds of relationships with their dads. You know, Granger and his dad, and me and my dad, the way that you lost him, y'all's relationship up until that point. Um, but my relationship with my dad was you know, he, he left our family. My, my parents were divorced. He left. Um, and then he came back when I was very young. Um, and then he came back and promised our family he would never leave again. And then he left again. And I can't put that all on him. I know that marriage is tough and, you know, raising kids and all that stuff. Um, but he left and there was definitely, you know, I was a mama's boy and I was very loyal to my mom. And there was a lot of distance between me and my dad. Um, after my mom passed away... In 2004, um, I think that that did set up some kind of avenue to restore this relationship with my dad. Um, And I'll tell you what, it took years and years and years of my dad fighting for me and just continuing to come back and tell me, I love you, I'm proud of you. And it wasn't until after that heart attack that... He just had a new life. He literally lived every day. Because for him, it was like, hey, I, the doctor told me I'm on borrowed time. Yeah. And he really lived every day, you know, the last years of his life. And it and there finally dawned on me at one point, I called him and uh, they had, or no, he called me and said, hey, the doctor said my heart uh, disease, heart failure has gone to stage four, so... They're giving me, you know, a few weeks, maybe a couple months at the most. And I just had to tell him in that moment, like, man, Dad, he was like, I'm so proud of you and everything. And I was like, hold up. I'm proud of you. Mm. I'm proud of you for um, just continuing to love me and pursue me. And our relationship here is not like the American dream, father-son um, but it's a story of redemption and reconciliation, and I love our story. I wouldn't change it for anything. And he had another three weeks to a month that he pushed to another nine months. Mm. Somehow, um, I know that he got to heaven, and God was like, we're so glad you're here. We expected you a while ago, <laughs> but uh, we're glad you're here now. Um but the the backside of that, I think, because of that, like Gris said, the grief doesn't change. Um, the grief is still there. We still have to work through it. Um, but I think it does look different. The way that life, that you experience death, would you agree? The yeah. way that we experience it yeah. and, the, and the relationship that was there and the dynamics of it, will play a part in how you grieve and how you work through whatever events led up to that. I want to reword one thing you said. 
and I know you agree because we, we have the same beliefs, but the words from God weren't, we didn't expect you. Yeah. The words were, we gave you a little extra time. Yep. And you did exactly what you needed to do with you it. You made the best. Well of it. done, yep. my good and faithful servant. That's what he said. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> God extended um, that time on purpose. God is in control of our time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not doctors or uh, our, our wherewithal to pull through. Yeah. He was given that time for a reason. He was. And it was for you to tell the story of redemption and restoration, partly. Yeah. To other people that could hear, like Darby. Mm-hmm. And, dude, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, Darby, you are too, man. It's, it's hard. I'm, I'm glad that you're in uh, grief share, like you said, and, and that you say, I'm beyond grateful for having God in my life to get through all this. That's exactly right. You, you are grateful, and you praise, we praise God through our suffering. And it's, it's a misunderstanding of spiritual people to say, that God is God heals all, and He heals all physical ailments. He's like a genie. Can He? Yes, He absolutely can. But that's just not what He does. Most of the time, He doesn't, because we need to go through suffering and praise Him so that we could find the difference between light and dark. If all we had was light without yep. any dark, there wouldn't be a contrast. If all we had was good and blissfulness, that's right. We would never appreciate. The yeah. victory, the yeah. true victory. In football, if you yeah. won every game mm-hmm. without a loss, then the championship wouldn't mean as much mm-hmm. as if you had gone through a year of losing and struggling yeah. and rebuilding and relearning, and then you built back up through the suffering, through the tribulation, and you made it, and you win the championship, and you celebrate because you have overcome through yeah. adversity, and that yeah. is the meaning of life. No, I think you're right, man. The The worst basis that evangelism can take is that God is like a pill. Ooh. Hey, just yeah. take this and dude, Your problems will heal everything, yeah. cure everything. Totally. Um, and there's a lot of people, you know, just speak it and it's going to happen. Um, I understand the power of our words and, you know, I understand where they're going with that intention, but... Um, we know from life experience that that, and we know from God's word that that is not true. Yeah, it's not how He works. And what you're going to end up doing if you're spitting that kind of gospel, you're going to lead people to just feeling um, broken, trusted, mad. mad, upset, disappointed, and frustrated more with God and more in disbelief than they were before you told them about it. So, how many times have we heard people say, "I'm just really mad at God right now"? Because I, I don't understand if there's a God out there. I don't understand a God that would allow little children to suffer and get cancer. And I don't understand a God that would allow wars to happen. Yeah. And you're missing the point of God. Yeah. Is Do you really want a perfect little blissful life? Yeah. Would you ever know the brilliant beauty of light if you've never seen dark? Yeah. No. The answer is no. And we have these tiny little brains that are trying to right. understand, like, these universal mysteries. Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> we are not the most intelligent generation that's ever lived. We don't, we don't understand nearly as much as we think we do. Yeah. The, I hate to re- make a spiritual reference to The Matrix, yeah. but dude, the movie The Matrix hits it spot on when the machine world is telling the humans... That we tried to create 
your which the matrix is the software program that allows humans to live. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about we tried this world, this human world, we tried to create it on the software program many, many times, giving them the perfect life until we realized the only way humans could live is by entering evil and suffering into their lives because unless they can overcome it and make it through it, mm-hmm. they can't survive. They can't survive in perfect unity. Mm-hmm. Not in this world. Not in the, not on Earth. We have to have we have to have trials that we fight through and we make it through the other side, and we we feel confident and encouraged and hopeful because of that. So, Darby, um, you, you're you're on the path. I, I, I was I'd like to say this, Darby. If you say this is the hardest thing you've ever dealt with, losing your dad. That means you got a pretty. You had a pretty good dad. Yeah. Because you wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have said that. Yeah. No. Great point. Great point. And and the weight that you're carrying right now is uh, is a testament to that. Like, I think you told me that before. Like, the the weight of the loss is reflected by the depth of the love that you had for it. The amount the amount of grief we have in a loss is paid for by the love. Mm-hmm. It's equal. However much love you have for someone, you're going to have a proportionate amount of grief when you lose them. Mm-hmm. So the more grief you have, that means the more love you have. And you don't want to get rid of the love. Mm-hmm. So of course we, we hate grief. We hate going through loss. But the more we have, the more we realize the more love that we shared. Yep. And that's the most important thing. Because you wouldn't want to sit here and go, I lost my dad. <laughs> Good riddance, dad. It was terrible. Right. What good does that do for you? Yeah. And what impact does that have on your life? Forever, Darby, you'll be able to live and move forward and go, I had one of the good ones. And you might look yeah. around and you might see bad dads out there and go, how did this old man survive? And my dad did. didn't. Yeah. You know, you might think that. But the, the reality is you'll have that memory and that, that within you of your dad forever. Good yeah. question, man. Yeah. Burns, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this one to you. Okay, we got homeboys in Christ. I need some advice. That rhymes. That rhymes. We have a question for the podcast. We get, we have Hey Granger. I need some advice. Promotion. Alcoholic veteran needs help. Another please read in all caps. Faith and friends slash fan reactions and playing overseas. I kind of want to go with plane overseas because I'm hoping that it's like an invitation for me and you to go do a podcast <laughs> overseas, but I don't think that's what they're going for. So, it says, and, then, and then the first one is just intriguing because it's like because they rhymed it. Everything in me doesn't want to pick that one, but I kind of have to go with it. So well done. On I don't know if you're trying to be super cheesy so it would get attention, but it worked. Homeboys so. in Christ, I need some advice. <laughs> After the question about uh, about dads, which was a great question, um, mm-hmm. we realized that the uh, the Yee Yee podcast, which is held in the same room, uh, had used a plugged in an outlet that was plugged into my computer. It was unplugged. I didn't know about it, so the computer died uh, during the dad segment. So what you what you hear now is a slight audio change. So we're back to these microphones again. The microphones were we're learning lessons again and again, guys. Okay. The lesson we have is to plug in. The lesson is blame others. <laughs> right? Isn't that, did we talk about this on this podcast? I think we something did. Something like that. Yeah, like Lily. With uh, was, was it Lily? Lily? I think it was blame Lily. Blame yeah. others. Yeah. 
the best that you can. That's right. You got to be really good about it for it to go over. So. Blame the Yee Yee podcast guys for unplugging yeah. uh, these microphones. And not myself and not knowing that the uh, that clearly on the laptop there is not a little charge signal in the top right corner. That's not my fault. Yeah. So, so we're back full circle. But the good news is I had just started reading this next question when we realized that the power died yep. on the mics. I realized I had just started reading. In fact, I'm going to like triple check this camera. Good. <laughs> the good news is I just started reading the next question when the when the microphones died, and it's a really good question. So the good news is I get to read it again, and we hadn't started answering it yet. That's right. That's right. The question titled "Homeboys in Christ," I need some advice. Which is, I don't know if she meant to rhyme that. Maybe she didn't even mean to rhyme that. Homeboys in Christ, I need some advice. It says, hey, Granger and probably Bernie. Love the podcast. I'm a huge Yee Yee fan, music fan, all things Smith family, except for the guys that do the Yee Yee podcast because sometimes <laughs> they unplug cables. That's exactly right. Hey, my name is Megan. I'm from Washington State, just north of Seattle, and I just turned 20 a few days ago. I'm graduating college this summer with my bachelor's degree in emergency management and homeland security. And for the last few years, it's been my dream to be a police officer. The state of the current world and negative views on law enforcement haven't even swayed the career path I'm taking. However, I've been told by many close family and friends, Christ followers alike, who work in the field that I should not pursue this career. I have prayed about this decision that God would open and close doors accordingly. As things began to get real... And I have to begin public safety testing in October. It has been difficult to discern God's voice amongst my own selfish desires and the advice of fellow Christians who have lived the reality of the job. Do you have any advice on how to know if I'm making a poor choice by pursuing this career, even though I'm being advised against it by the people I know and trust? Note, I'm aware that law enforcement is a really gnarly career path, and I understand it has many sacrifices that must be made. Thanks, Megan. Awesome. Awesome question. Awesome question. I we love could, this question. We could do a an entire podcast on this one topic, subject. I love it. This question. It's great. Um, Your heart, Megan, is in the right place. What's interesting is we started this whole podcast, and you started it by saying, Seek wise counsel, mm-hmm. listen to God's word, right? Mm-hmm. Follow God's word, seek. And yep. so we have a, a conflicting interest in this email. Yep. Kind of. Yeah. Because she's hearing her wise counsel mm-hmm. speak against this. Yep. I would. So, first, you know, going back, you know, because I think that in decision making, there's usually like three things I like to kind of process them through. First is what does God's word say? Um, is there anything in God's word that is directly saying like, Hey, you should not do this, you know? Um, next is what do God's people say? And that's your wise counsel. Like, is, is there any, um, more experienced, um, you know, respected people in my life that have reason for me not to do this, that they advise. So Mm. I think that's kind of where you're at right here. Mm. Um, and it sounds like you're getting some conflict 
um, the, the last thing, if you made it through those, the last thing is uh, that I usually process through is what do you want to do? I think there's tons of freedom in our lives that God gives us. And if God were, God's word doesn't have anything, uh, affirms it, if the people around you affirm it, um, or you um, process that with them, and then it's just what do you want to do? Make a decision and go. Uh, for what I was going to say earlier, um, I'm not the best on Bible references uh, locations, so somebody can comment where this is uh, for my own benefit. But right. in James, where it talks about don't go to a foreign place and work and say, I'm going to work here a year and then I'm going to come back. But instead, say, if God wills it, mm. then you go here and you work for a year and go about business. And there's a passage like like that. Um so I think that that's the that's the first thing is like you really need to make sure that you're spending time in the Word and and just in solitude and praying. God, are, I I want to be obedient to you. I know that you have the best for my life, and so I'm submitting my own will um, to you and saying like, could you guide me in the way I need to go? Because if that is into law enforcement, um then I think you don't just dismiss the conversations you're having with people that you trust that are saying you shouldn't do it. But I think you enter into those conversations with the question of, well, why? Why is this something that you're encouraging me not to do? Is it because of their own fear? Because Mm. that, if you go back to God's Word again, is not founded. That's not wise counsel. Even with the people you're seeking, the wise counsel comes from, is it based in God's Word? Mm, They're supposed to be pointing you back to that. But if they're in their own insecurity, in their own fear, what you want to do may sound crazy, and they're going to try to convince you not to do it. Um, But if you feel like God's Word is affirming that, and you feel like you do have people, once you've been able to communicate what God is doing, leading you to then I don't care what this world looks like. Do not stop. Mm. So good, man. I, there is there are so many instances. And the reason, Megan, i got to say, and for everyone else, listen, the reason we keep going God's Word, God's Word, God's Word, is because that's what you, that's part of what you're asking. And that's how Bernie and I are just going to base our, our foundational answers on. There's so many stories in the Bible when someone was called to do something, and the world went against them and said, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. So I'm going to say something here. And, and Megan, I love you. I think, I think your heart is in the right place. But I'm going to say something that might sound a little insulting. I think, I think you're, you are making God smaller than he is. Hmm. I think, and I don't mean that in, insulting to you. I think your worldview of this whole situation is making a little tiny God, a little insecure God that's not strong enough to make his will clear enough for you. So you want to go to a lot of other people. You want to ride into this podcast, which I'm glad you did because this is what I'm going to tell you. Don't put God in a box. Don't make him smaller. He is huge. He can move mountains. He can part seas. He is in control of everything. He is in control of every detail of your life. He knows every hair on your head. He numbers the hairs on your head is what he has said. Therefore, if you are praying diligently like you are for him to open and close doors accordingly, then don't keep doubting 
the path you're on if the doors are open and you're walking through them. Clearly, you are walking through the doors that he has opened, and you are doubting these doors. It's normal to doubt. I doubt. Bernie doubts. Every character in the Bible, Noah, Moses, everyone is doubted. Go read Exodus and talk about and, and read how God was telling uh, Moses to go into Egypt and, and command a Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses goes, me? I, don't, I, don't, I can't do that. I, I'm not a good speaker. I, I can't talk. And God said, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? And he said, did you just send somebody else? I'm just not good at this stuff. That's, that's normal for you to think that, Megan. But it sounds like God is opening the doors to law enforcement. And you're walking through them and questioning all the way through that this is maybe not God's will when he's clearly. Oh, because, hey, this is what I mean by don't make him a small God. When you ask him to close a door, he's going to close the door. Mm-hmm. If you're trusting him, he will close the door. So I'm not talking about he's going to close it because a friend's going to call and go, Heck, Megan, I have a bad feeling about this. I'm kind of scared. I don't think you should do it. And I know a lot about law enforcement. That's not a closed door. That's exactly what Bernie's saying. You say, well, let me talk to you a little bit. What's your, what's your reasoning? Mm-hmm. A closed door is you go in and you get a test result back from your physical going into the police department and they say, hey, you have a blood clot and we can't accept you into the into the force because you're you, – that's a closed that's door. That's a closed door, you yeah. know? But you walk this path, Megan, with a vengeance, knowing that you are on God's side because you are a child of God and you have prayed to him and you are walking according to his will because, because Paul says in, in his epistle, in his letter, he says – that we need to transform our minds, therefore to discern yeah. the will of God. Through our minds, not through our hearts or our feelings or our everyone around us or the, what the world's telling our minds. And you are yeah. looking clearly at this job as a police officer. You even said in your note, I'm aware, using your mind, that law enforcement is a really gnarly career path. But I understand that's a mind thing. That's not a heart thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a feeling thing. I mm-hmm. understand how many sacrifices must be made. You have decided with your mind. You have yep. transformed your mind according to the will of God. You are, you are discerning now the path that you're on, and you need to walk through these doors that are open. And if they close, that's a different story, but you're going to know. Don't make him small. Don't make yep. him... Don't, don't think that he's just giving you little nudges in the sky. Yep. He, is, he is controlling your steps here. So... Yep. Go for it, Megan. I think it is it is brave of you. I think it is is valiant of you. I think you are you're stepping into law enforcement in a time when everyone is running from it in Washington State. Everyone is running from law enforcement. They're 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 either going to a different state or a different easier career path, or they're switching jobs. And you're going into the fire in a time when everyone's going out of it. And I love you for that. And I admire you for that. And don't let people discourage you. Yeah. Huh. yeah. No, that's great. Preach, son. Um, I, I, the, the verse that he's referencing is Romans 12, too. So go back and read that. Uh, and the first part of that says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by a renewal of your mind. Okay, so... Remember that first part. Mm. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So this world, the pattern Mm. is, this is hard. This is unsafe. 
this is politically this way or that way, so I should probably not do it. Mm. That's what the world is saying. And this is not just about law enforcement. This is about, these days, a lot of different things. So you can either choose to... She said current state of the world. She even referenced world. Current state of the world. So what the world (laughs) is kind of like preaching to us um, is, hey, um, don't put yourself in harm's way because of a calling that God has placed on you. And, And again, this... I know you guys listening out there may be involved in a different career path where your integrity, your reputation, your safety, your life is being uh, put in harm's way. But God says, hey, don't conform to what the world is doing and what they're telling you. Be transformed by a renewal of your mind. And I think what that is going to tell us is that, no, just like throughout the Bible, God has led me into this battle. He's going to give me the armor and the tools that I need when I need them. I'm walking with the king of victory. Hmm. I have to hold on to that. That's my hope. Uh, My dad was in law enforcement for 35 years, so this is definitely Hmm. something that's close to me. And to see... You know, guys like my dad that um, de-escalated, were humble, were ser- there to serve and protect, were loving. And I know there's a picture that the enemy and that the world wants to paint of the majority of law enforcement so that these polar opposites can keep fighting. But it's like, look, the majority of us are in the middle. Hmm. We're very, very close on a lot of these issues, but these people on other sides are much louder voices. So I'm going to tell you, don't listen to the voices. Don't listen to the worldly voices. Listen to the voice of God. We're not telling you to not, to not seek wise counsel. That's right. Totally different. Sit with it, wrestle with it, talk with them. Um, And this is not just for Megan. This is for me Grizz, this is what we, guys, this is life. This is what we do when these things come up. And we do live in a world where we we can't pretend that these issues and that our world is not right in front of our face now and that it's not much louder than it used to be. It is in our ear louder than ever. Yeah. But I I think that we just have to quiet those voices. We have to listen to the voice of God. And that can be through his word. That can be through the community of the church. We have to listen to that voice and be still with it and then just go boldly and courageously into what you're supposed to do. That's, you, that's you know, it. You think God doesn't want his His warriors in Seattle, Washington, in law enforcement? Of course he does. They he, have to be. He is calling you to this, I believe. How do I know? Because you have... You've, you're graduating with a bachelor's degree in emergency management, home and, home and security. You've been in this for a long time. You said it has been my dream. You put all caps, dream, in all caps, to be a police officer. And now the world is telling you, pump the brakes. Well, here's the key. Here's the, ki- the kicker to all this. You said, I have prayed about this decision. Done. You, done. Put a period on that. You are walking with the Lord here, and he is preparing your steps for you. He has created this passion. He created, where do you think that dream came from? 
He lit that fire in you. So your prayer is this. It's God. Here we go. <laughs> it's getting real. I'm walking down this path that you have, you have laid out for me. Now, I have a lot of people telling me that I shouldn't do this. I have a lot of people that are scared for me, scared for my life, scared for the future of law enforcement in Seattle, Washington. But I'm walking this because you have, you, the path is still open. So here we go, step by step. I have testing coming up in, in October. So here we go. God, if this is not right for me, close this door. If it's open, That's right. I'm walking into testing. I'm going into testing and I'm going to do this. And until you stop me, I'm going this direction. That's open and closed door. Yep. And that's a closed story for you. Thank you, Megan, for your service. I love this. Yeah, it's great. Because of our computer failure, it has given us an opportunity for one more question. Oh, sweet. Okay. So for anyone who, who dug through the bad audio of the dad question, mm-hmm. um, we're going a little bit – we're going to give a little bit longer – on this podcast now and go to one more. So Burns, we got um question for the podcast. I need some advice, promotion, alcoholic veteran needs help. Question, please read all caps. Faith and friends, fan reactions and playing overseas. Um, man, we need to get a wheel where we just like spin <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is the one we're doing. Okay. What um, I don't want this to become is yeah. I don't want people to think they got to make the most creative subject ever. That's yeah. why I kind of don't like well, doing Well, let's this. go with podcast question. Boom. You know? There you go. That's how you counteract that, right? Yeah. Okay. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Andrew. I'm from Ontario, Canada. I'm a senior in high school. I have a ton of questions I'd like to ask, but my number one is... What is the number one life advice you'd give to someone someone who has not found themselves yet or is in the process of doing so? Yee yee. Andrew is asking the yeah. question. He's asking the question well, of life. L- l- read it one more time. This says, my number one question is, what is the life advice you'd give to someone who hasn't found themselves yet? Welcome. Oh, that's so good, dude. It's a journey. Boom. We're all on it. Welcome. Don't give up. That's the end of the podcast. Just kidding. Dude, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, what I see here is senior in high school, bro, I didn't know myself. I, did, I just didn't. Mm-hmm. Was I searching? Of course I was. You better believe I was. I was searching. I, I was asking questions. I was in the process of finding myself. But it is possible to find yourself who you are in high school, but I wasn't one of them. I wasn't either. I don't think a lot of people are Mm-mm. capable of being 18, 19, 17 years old, whatever you are, and going, you know what? I know exactly who I am, and I'm going to rock it. I found myself. Yeah, it takes life experience. So that's the advice. Get out and experience life. Things that you just are uncomfortable with, things you don't understand, go be curious, go adventure, go journey, go like, because that's going to help you Hmm. when you get outside of yourself and what you know, you're going to be able to look back at it and be like, oh, that's that. Oh, I I like that. That's, that's me. And that, oh, and that's me too. You're going to, you're going to start to build that. And, um, Traveling helps. Traveling, yeah. I know. I know that especially these days, traveling is expensive. But you can grab a backpack, and there's probably a lot of websites. You're in Ontario, 
Um, if you haven't been to the U.S. yet, maybe maybe that's something you could do is head to the U.S. and take a backpacking trip, maybe jump on some trains that they have in, on the East Coast and see Philly and New York and mm-hmm. Baltimore and D.C. and um, cruise up and down the coast a little bit. Uh, if you haven't seen the rest of Canada, you could find out a lot about yourself by going into a different culture, like Bernie said, and yeah. flipping the script on what is normal and trying something new. I feel like, I don't know if I, like I said, I don't know if I've found myself. I have a lot more uh, security in my identity, where, where my identity is found and, you know, just life experience. But would you say that you typically find those things when you're not looking for them? Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is I was thinking me and you did the same thing that as at Andrew's age, me and you did the same thing. We both moved to Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. which was, ah, uh, yeah, music related, dream related. I get it. But there was way more to it than that. It was getting out of our home state. You were coming from actually Atlanta. It's, yeah. it's getting out of our home state and flipping the script and, and stripping away everything. It's not like we were meaning to do that, but that's what we did mm-hmm. in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. I went to Nashville. I got, I got away from every comfort I had, every friend I had, every piece of income that I had, and flipped the script and tried something new. And guess what happened? It took me four years living there. But when I moved back to Texas... After those four years, I was a different person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would, if I could say I found myself, but I found myself a lot more than I did when I, when I first moved to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, traveling will do that. New cultures, meeting new kinds of people that don't sound the same or dress the same as you do. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to you could you could find out quickly if the way of life you've been living is the right way, mm-hmm. or uh, maybe you were thinking backwards, but you could figure that out by just seeing new people, mm-hmm. um, working a new job, like Bernie said, trying a new craft, a new skill. Um, the, the, the reason I think society has set itself up in the perfect way th- through God, if, if you're a believer that you're, you're a senior in, in high school. And it's like, that is the age when you're supposed to leave the nest and mm-hmm. get out of your comfort zone, which is about 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, right around there mm-hmm. is the time when you're supposed to leave and leave your mom and dad or your dad or your, your aunt, wherever you're living. I don't know. You're supposed to leave that nest and try to fly mm-hmm. and fall and get back up and try to fly again. That's the age. You don't do that any earlier. You're not supposed to really. You can, you're not supposed to, and you're not supposed to do it any later. Mm-hmm. This damage on both sides. Right. Yeah, for but sure. Our society has learned through hundreds and hundreds of years that when a boy turns 18, get out of the nest yeah. and try to fly. Mm-hmm. Andrew, that's when you figure out who you are is when you first spread your wings out of your nest. So the answer is you're doing, you're, you're asking the right question and you're Welcome to the club. It's like Bernie said at the very beginning. Welcome. Welcome you to the club. You you're 18. You haven't found yourself. Huh. You're right on track. Good job. Doing yep. the exact thing you need to be doing. And one day when you're my age and Bernie's age, you'll look back and go, yeah, yeah. I found myself now. I found it. And you will too. 
Yee yee. Yee yee. Dude, thanks for being here. Good stuff. As always. Thank you guys. Y'all are the best. Y'all are awesome. Keep bringing the good questions. Yep. Boom. Yee yee. See ya. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee. <laughs>